Hey, y'all, you're listening to the Mother Far From Home podcast with me, your host, Rachel Norman. If you desperately need a common sense, down-to-earth perspective on how to mother well without losing it, living in constant stress, or needing to escape your life, you have come to the right place. Hello, welcome back to the Mother Far From Home podcast, and I'm really excited about today's episode topic, and it is about how our kids' emotions, or even our own emotions, um, should be used as a barometer, but they shouldn't be the thermostat. So I'm going to get into a little bit you know, more of what that means, but I think this is going to be good for us all in releasing and help us let go of some guilt, help us find some clarity. I'm always coming from the angle of changing how we were thinking about something can help release a burden and just help us to naturally do something different and easier. And that's where I'm coming from today. So I'm going to vini al punto and tell you my thesis of this, which is being emotionally in tune with our kids is, of course, something we should absolutely be doing and we want to be doing and we're doing pretty naturally. But that's not the same thing as being driven by the emotions of our kids. So we want to be in tune with them, but we don't want to be driven by their emotions. Okay. So um, I looked up the definitions, you know, I thought, well, I'll just read some definitions to talk about a barometer and thermostat to help us to understand kind of what I'm going for here. So a barometer is something that reflects the changes in circumstances or opinions in this case, if we're if we're uh, not specifically talking about weather, a barometer is going to reflect what's happening. So in terms of emotions, emotions as a barometer, this is if you've made a certain parenting choice, you're going to be able to tell how the kids like it or respond or how well it goes with them because their emotions are going to be a barometer of what was happening. So the the emotions are going to um, sort of be the fruit of what is um of that choice. Okay. So you you would make a choice and you would kind of see how that choice panned out based on their emotions. That would be if you were using their emotions as a barometer. So a thermostat, on the other hand, is an is a device. So it's an automatic device when we're talking about the air conditioning in our house, the temperature of our home, which is how I got this handy dandy analogy. Um, a thermostat is the device that regulates the temperature. So when we if I say that you're you, you, we, any of us are using our kids emotions as a thermostat, that means we're using their their emotions are determining what's happening. So their whether they're hot or cold determines what happens next. Their emotional state is making the decisions versus us choosing the decisions and their emotions reflecting how that went. Okay. And so I'll get in, of course, more and more on into this, but this really is important. And one of the reasons that it's the most important is because you can never, our emotions are not stable and dependable. They're part of the human experience. We certainly shouldn't repress them. We shouldn't uh, put them aside as though they're somehow not um, as valuable. Uh, no, of course not. Okay. They're part of being human. You know, feeling good feels good. Feeling feeling sad sometimes is healing. Crying even is healing. So the goal is never to get rid of emotions. Big fat duh. Okay. <laughs> Ever feel worried you aren't as connected with your child as you'd like to be? I have an easy tool to help you feel that connection. The connection that is already there, of course. I've put together 50 plus fun and interesting questions to ask your kids. 
They'll get you laughing and you'll learn a lot of interesting things about your child and maybe even about yourself. Go to amotherfarfromhome.com slash connect to get your free printable. That's 50 plus connection questions that you can use in just times of bonding, one-on-one times, even times in the car. So again, you can get it at amotherfarfromhome.com slash connect. Our emotions are not stable masters. So I talk about this in my book, If Mama Ain't Happy. Emotions are good counselors, but they're bad masters because depending on what's going on, our emotions can be all over the place. I know personally, um, if I'm having a at certain point in my cycle, my emotions might be really actually um, not reflecting reality. So um, we, and and this can go the same with our kids. Okay. So we want to be in tune with their emotions, but whether or not they're going to like something, whether or not they're happy about something, it should not be the driver of our parenting decisions. Now, some of the small ones, of course it is. It's like you want this as a snack, you want that as a snack. I mean, okay, this is obvious, but I'm talking about when we discipline, when we're going in the, when we're talking about family life. So for example, this might be our schedule, how full it is, or it might be whether we're allowing our kids to have access to something they're asking for, but we don't think it's right. Or it might be going to say somebody's house to spend the night when you have the feeling that you don't really think that's right. I'm talking about more like these decisions, not the little decisions that don't matter. Okay. So today there's like a lot of trends going on, you know, some good, some not so good in, in the parenting space, um, that are sort of subconsciously imprinting this idea that our kids' emotions really are the indicator of whether our decisions are good or not. So we're seeing a lot of, and all of this is not bad, you know, we're seeing a lot of, well, all these things my parents did totally screwed me up. Even if, even though a lot of us are really not that screwed up on the whole, but just not perfect, then we're, we can look back and be like, well, that sort of made me do this and that wasn't good. So I'm not going to do that so that if I'm perfect for the kids, I'll be perfect. This is sort of where we not, we're in our, the front of our minds, not saying this, but the back of our mind is like, if I don't make all those mistakes that were made on me, then my kids are going to be perfect. This, I just want to go ahead and disabuse you of this. That's a lot. It's it's impossible to be perfect. That's not going to happen. And, um, so might as well put that aside. But of course, some of the things that were perhaps done in, in, in decades past, were just like bad and didn't work. And we don't want to do those. And we know that, and we know that the choices we make affect our kids. So because we know all these things, we have this intense pressure to now be perfect quotes. I say it in air quotes, because we don't even know what that means. And in moment to moment, what we think is perfect is often how our kids are responding. Okay. So this might be, for example, your fifth grader wants a device and you're like, no. Okay. And they, they're mad or they're pitching a fit or whatever. In the moment, they might have some strong emotions about you telling them no. So if you were using their emotions as a thermostat, you would say, okay, well, it's obviously not good for me to deprive them of this because they want it so badly. And it's clearly really negatively affecting them or damaging them to not have this thing all their other friends have. And so I'm going to do that. And if you're going against what you actually feel convicted about, you've just then you made a decision based on their emotions, as opposed to saying, you know what, I don't think you're ready for that. Um, it's not going to happen. I don't care. I'm not saying you use these exact words for your kids, but I just doesn't matter what all your other friends are doing. That's not happening here. And then being able to help them work through their emotions. So you see, that was just an example, like uh, the difference in using 
their emotions as a barometer or thermostat. And sometimes the truth of the matter is sometimes you're going to make a choice that's right for your child and they're going to hate it. And that's okay. But you still got to hold the line of the right choice. And if they don't like it, that's still okay. They don't have to like it. This is where I think we get mixed up sometimes is we think kids have to like everything we do, but like they don't. I don't even like everything that I do. I don't even like everything that I know that I need to do. You know, like I don't like getting up some mornings. Some mornings I'd rather just not get up and let the chips fall as they may. You know, you know what I mean? This so there's there's just some things in life you got to, I don't like to pay taxes. I'm not like, this is going to be such a good day. I'm skipping to the CPA. No, no, I'm not. But I do it because it's something that needs to be done. And I've worked that muscle of knowing the things that are good and right and wise and doing them regardless of how I feel and still acknowledging my feelings, but just still doing the right thing. And so this is something we have to model for the kids that we're going to do the right thing, even if it doesn't really feel great. The fact of the matter is family routines make the home go round and they aren't just for the kids. I'm a certified baby and toddler sleep consultant, language of listening parent coach and mother of five kids at one point in five years and under. If there's one thing that's true, it's this. Without daily routines and systems in place, life is chaotic, stressful, and anxiety-inducing. The only way to get our mom responsibilities done in peace is this, family routines. Simple family rhythms give you predictability, organization, and calm. My best-selling workshop, Family Routines Reboot, is a three-day challenge to creating easy, effective family routines that make family life peaceful again. It focuses on the whole family routines, child routines, and self-care routines. Visit a mother far from home slash reboot for more details. Again, it's a mother far from home slash reboot. So this, when we talk about emotions here, I'm, I there are there's a difference between, and I want you to learn to separate mo- emotions in the moment and a child's overall emotional well-being. Because if you do this, you can see, you know, overall, my child is happy. They're well-adjusted. We're not having a lot of issues. They're, they're just, they're okay. Like I can tell they're okay. But in the moment, they might get really mad or resist something, right? So the, in the moment, they're showing some of the emotions they're having in the moment about what's happening. But overall, they're okay. Okay. So in this case, you're not switching up any choices based on the moment. If you know, you're holding the line on a right choice, you know, you're, you know, you're holding that boundary on a right choice. Now, if you look at your child's overall well-being, then sometimes we can say, you know, actually they're not okay. They are down. It's like my sister-in-law mentioned this a while back. She felt like one of her children, the light had gone out of their eyes. So she's like, okay, now it's time to figure out what happened there. What's going on, right? So the overall well-being you would use to adjust what's happening in order to help them thrive or work through what they're going for. So I want to make sure and mention that, that, that these things are separate. So what we get in that mom's, what we can get in the habit of is there is their emotional well-being being good, but in the moment, their reactions are, are very resistant to what we want. And so we boundary bend on that thing in the moment. That's a language of listening term. It's when you bend your boundary, when you basically just don't hold the line and then later you're, you're mad either at them or yourself, or you feel icky because you knew it wasn't right, but you did it anyway, or you knew it was right, but you didn't do it. So 
you got to separate these. And, and when we look at our children's overall well-being, that's how we want to make decisions. So if their overall well-being is they're exhausted, they're worn out, you know, they're not making good grades, they've got a lot of things going on. And then you can look at their schedule, for example, and say, they're actually not okay with being this busy. They like the things that they're doing in theory, but overall, as it affects their life, it ain't working. And this might mean you pull them back from some activities. Now, in the moment, they might really not be okay with that. They might really not want to be pulled out of Little League or whatever the case may be. So they might resist that. But you are seeing the overall picture of their well-being and you're saying they're actually not okay and I need to make this choice. So I hope that example sheds a little bit of light. Ever wondered what it means to have boundaries in parenting with your own children? Well, I lived a boundaryless life. It did not turn out well for me or the kids. And I realized that I, like you, and every other mom on earth, has limits. We have boundaries, whether we've realized it or not. And we need to honor them if we want to live peaceful lives. I like to joke that while my book is called If Mama Ain't Happy, the real goal here is not happiness. For most moms right now, that's pie in the sky. The real goal, sad as it is to say, is not being depressed and wanting to escape your own life. So if that's you, if that's where you're at, grab a copy of my new book, If Mama Ain't Happy, Why Minding Healthy Boundaries is Good for Your Whole Family. You can buy the book any places books are sold. Or if you want to get a free copy of my Limit Locator and Boundary Building Worksheets, Google A Mother Far From Home, If Mama Ain't Happy, Choose the first link there at the top. So here are some things that emotions do tell us, okay? That our emotions tell us if our kids or us like or don't like something. So I might make a dinner that's healthy and I'm trying to make it to where the kids like it, but I'm not bending over backwards because, you know, our taste buds regenerate every six weeks or so. So something my kids liked or didn't like the last time I made it, they might have a totally different opinion. So I'm not driven by the winds of their preferences. You know, I try to work with them, but you know, I'm not a short order cook is what I'm saying. So if I make something, I can tell if they like or don't like it in the moment by their emotions. You know, some of my, just last night, my son went and threw himself on the bed and I was like, oh baby, what's wrong? And he's like, I can't eat dinner, you know, because he didn't like what I made. Of course it turned out anyway that he did and then he ate it, but you know, this was his emotion initially. So if we begin to now basically just not even try to cook or just try to make whatever we think they're going to like in the moment because we're trying to avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is when we get into major like chicken with the head cut off vibes. Okay. And so this is not a good place to operate out of as a mom. So our emotions also tell us if there's something going on under the surface. So now if your child's acting like disproportionately agonized over something, you, this is a chance to investigate a little and be like, okay. And if this happens regularly, now we've moved into the overall emotional well being category when we got to dig a little deeper, right? So we always got to separate. If uh, overall, are they doing well? They are. Okay. Now, in the moment, I'm going to need to hold the line for something that I know is right or good. But if overall they're not good and now they're reacting very disproportionately to situations, this is time to look at the overall picture. So emotions will also tell us about our kids' moods. They'll tell us about our own moods. You know, sometimes you um, wake up in the morning and you're like, I ain't having it today. I'm over it today. Today, just I'm just like not feeling it and I'm in a bad mood. So if all of us, if you felt like this that on that day and then you went off and did something like buy a house, 
you're probably going to regret it later because you don't really make these big, important decisions when you're in a mood. So this is why if your child is just in a mood, you don't hand over the weight of the decision-making power to them because they ain't thinking straight. And even if they are thinking straight, they're little kids. So if it's something small, who cares? We're going to go to this ice cream shop or this ice cream cream shop, whatever. But if we're talking about more important things, uh, like bedtime, for example, some kids are just like, I'm just like not going to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed. Like, no, 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 thanks. I'll just sit out here with you until 11 p.m. when I fall asleep. And some parents like, okay, I guess that's what's good for them. No, I mean, it isn't good for sleep. Everybody needs sleep. Sleep is good for them. So their mood in the moment is determining whether you're going to meet their needs or not. You've essentially said, I'm not going to meet their sleep need because it'll put them in a bad mood. So in this case, you're prioritizing their mood over their needs. And we can all tend to do this because we want our kids to be happy. But when you can let go of the burden of this and just focus on what is right and good and wise in the moment and really listen to your boundaries there, you're just a lot less heavy, all of these choices. So emotions also tell us, our, they show us, they reveal to us our kids' ability to regulate their emotions. Now, and this is something we learn over time. This is something that we model for our kids. This is something that we support them in. Um, and so I want to say here that the the more you try to prevent them from ever feeling anything bad, the less they're able to cope when they feel bad. So if you've never let them get to the point of frustration because you're always changing your mind based on their emotions so that they feel good, they're going to feel super incapacitated and unable to cope when they feel bad. So feeling bad to them is going to be catastrophic. It's going to feel like the world is ending and it's going to make them feel like they are in crisis. And now this can happen similar to us if we always, um, what do you call it? Repress. If we always repress our emotions and it's like, oh, that was uncomfortable. Gosh, I'm not going to feel that. No, mm, no, I'm going to think about something happy. I'm going to scroll. That's going to fix my problems. And then we've sort of repressed that emotion. Over time, we build up, I'll talk about, a lot about this in If Mama Ain't Happy. We build up a really heavy emotional basement. And then we just really find it hard to regulate because we're, we are now reacting way out of proportion to what's happening. Okay. So I, I encourage you to hold the line on your good, right, and wise parenting decisions you know you need to make. And just let it be okay if your kids don't like it and that they learn to deal with those feelings of frustration and you can support them in those feelings without boundary bending. And that helps them learn to deal with their emotions. It helps them learn that when they have these strong emotions, this is not like a, you know, category five hurricane. It's just going to be like a tropical storm and then it'll just pass. And so that is where we want to get when we're supporting our kids in that. So specifically how we can let our our emotions be a barometer but not a thermostat is, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you want to make your parenting decisions based on just wisdom and your instinct. And um, it says in Job, God gives instinct. Oh, I always get this confused. I need to memorize this better. I think it's instinct to the mind and intuition to the heart or else it's reversed. But either way, instinct and intuition. And so we want to make our parenting choices based on that and based on what we really think is best for our kids overall. 
And we need to learn to get in touch with that. If we are only focused on people-pleasing, aka child-pleasing, we don't even know half the time what we think is the right choice. We're actually just so used to be driven to and fro, we don't even know how to listen to the still small voice that is like, don't do this. You know this is not right. You know you don't want to do this. We need to learn to access that, and we need to make our overall, like our important parenting choices based on that. Now, if it's something you truly don't care about and you know it's not that big of a deal, then like, then you can let them just, of course, I'm not saying kids never get to decide or choose things. I mean, that's silly. That would even be impossible. But the big things, the things that you feel like have a little bit more importance than it, it seems like your child's giving them or you're giving them in the moment, you just have to make, you have to be able to access that place inside and go with your gut there. Do you feel like your days go by in a blur and all those things you meant to get done never really get done? The good news is it isn't because you don't have enough self-discipline or because you're just lazy. It's because you need better routines. I created some daily routine brainstorm sheets with lots of examples for routines based on your kids' ages that you can get free on my website. Go to amotherfarfromhome.com slash routine sheets that's a motherfarfromhome.com slash routine sheets and grab these free printables. So the next way, I've got about four ways here. So the second one it, to let your, the, your kids' emotions be a barometer but not a thermostat is that you don't decide what to do based on whether or not they're going to throw a fit. So them throwing a fit or not shouldn't determine your choice. You should make your choice based on whether it's good or right or wise, and then let them throw a fit if they want to. So, and, and I know that's hard. So, so it's sort of two things going on, right? If you have a rule or you're like, we're, it's say it's, it's time to go home. You have another appointment or you have an appointment in the first place, or you're in the parking lot of going into appointment and your child's throwing down and they don't want to, for example. So you, the, the line is you've got to go in. We're going to this appointment. It's happening. Okay. We're not canceling appointment because you didn't want to come. We're not going to be 20 minutes late because you're throwing a fit. We're going into the appointment at the proper time. And then there's how the child reacts. Maybe they want to throw down or they want to sulk or whatever the case may be, right? You don't, we make a mistake when we try to make our kids react well to the thing they didn't like. So this is a double whammy for the kids and it doesn't have to be. The, the, The answer is you hold the line about what has to happen and they can feel however they want to feel about it. Now, you may have some rules around how they can feel. So it's like, okay, you can be mad, but you can't hit me. You can be mad, but you can't run away or whatever. But we don't have to be concerned with making sure they are always happy with our choices. So this is really a trap. This is bondage, bondage alert. You can't, if you think, okay, here's the rule. And and my kids always have to like my rules. Then if they don't, you think the rule's bad. It's just this crazy wheel of insanity. Okay. So you don't have to, your kids don't have to like it, especially when they're little, they don't have to, and you don't have to shame them for not liking it. You don't have to shame them for being unhappy with it. Just let them feel however they feel, but we're going to do the thing that we needed to do. So we're still doing it. Or if you pitched a fit because I wouldn't give you something in the store, like it's okay that you're not happy, but like I'm not going to get it, right? So you just don't get it. And then you've held the boundary. And however they feel about it is just however they feel about it. They don't have to be happy. You're not going to, you see what I'm saying? 
so it's like you can let them have their feelings about it and still hold the line. So the third way we can kind of let our kids, their emotions be a barometer, but not a thermostat is that knowing that and truly establishing it in your heart that learning to deal with, handle, work through your emotions is a life skill. Like it's good for them to learn. And as I mentioned earlier, if they don't know how to do it, it's going to be very hard. And, you know, we talk about kind of laugh about how they've got to have these like support dogs and and, and all this crazy stuff going on in colleges and kids are like, you know, needing to be Baker-acted because they got bees, you know, and I say that as a joke, but I'm not joking. I mean, it sounds insane as we say it out loud, but it's happening. Like the kids can't cope with things. Um, Not all, but a lot of kids truly can't. And a large part of this comes with, with not ever having gotten used to just feeling like I wasn't feeling negative emotions. They exist they come around a lot. And if we've never learned to deal with them, they really seem like something that's life or death. And if our kids just get used to having these emotions and cycling through them and we support them and then they learn these strong emotions come and go, then they aren't so affected later when they come. And it doesn't become a dangerous scenario because they have just gotten disappointed. So, and that leads to my last point, I guess it's a crossover, you know, I'm not, whatever. Uh, Never letting the kids feel frustration will, it will hamstring them later. It will mean later they can't cope. Later, anything that makes them feel uncomfortable, they're going to shy away from because they're not used to feeling uncomfortable. And it's like, like, that doesn't feel good. So I'm just, I'm going to avoid that whole aspect of life. So we don't want that for our kids. We want them to be used to handling emotions, used to handling frustration, used to being able to cope so that they can actually cope later. So I hope this lifted some burden off of you if you feel like you've been or you're always second guessing yourself because, you know, maybe kids don't like what you want to do. And I just want to free you from that um, sort of uh, burden, I guess, is the way to say it. And so I hope that this has kind of um, put words to some thoughts or some feelings or some things that have been happening in your home and that it will help you feel blessed and bless your family. Till next time, Mama. As always, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can find me on my website, A Mother Far From Home, and on YouTube under the same name. If you like this podcast, I'd love it if you could write a five-star review, and it'll help all the algorithms to get it in front of other moms who benefit from this encouragement. Until next time, keep it real out there, Mama.